to be honest, like if, if you start down that road of thinking like, I've got to cater, I've got to cater to this like short attention spans or blah, 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 like you're sort of cutting yourself off. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Nothing's perfect and there's going to be a price for everything. What's the point if you're not really feeling Welcome it? to The Resistance, featuring meaningful conversations. We live in a condition of a constant murmuring. Like, that just doesn't happen for anyone. That explore that very space between who we are and who we say we want to be. I'm your host, Matt Connor. It took Colin West, I'd say a few minutes, to read my mail. We use the word resistance around here to purposely refer to many things. For some, it describes fear or marketplace demands. For others, it's expectations or a lack of inspiration. But in many of our conversations, the resistance has also referenced the mundane, the fact that real life gets in the way of the life that we actually want to be living. Call it adulting, call it routine. We often call it the resistance. Or is it? You see, leading up to my conversation with Colin, I was excited to chat with the screenwriter and filmmaker about what he's learned when wrestling with the resistance. My goal, as always, is to glean some further insights about facing it myself, and I hope you do too. So imagine my surprise when instead Colin opens up our interview by challenging me to embrace it. Now, Colin's new film, Linoleum, is truly remarkable, really. It's a dizzying film that's equal parts drama, comedy, romance, and sci-fi. Yes, sci-fi. And it features a loaded cast, from Jim Gaffigan to Rhea Seahorn to Tony Shalhoub to Caitlin Nakin, among others. Uh, It premiered at South by Southwest as a Grand Jury Prize nominee and was recently a New York Times critic's pick. But while the film is making all kinds of demands on Colin's time these days, It's impossible for him to separate this season from the five or six years he spent writing and rewriting the script over and over. It was in those years, those boring years, that Colin found the substance and the story to begin with. In fact, it's when life feels normal or mundane that we're actually given the very raw clay to mold into something meaningful. In other words, we need to live life in order to bring something to it. And that's one of the main takeaways from our conversation with filmmaker Colin West. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Resistance. My name is Matt Connor and sitting across from me, well, I guess digitally speaking, um, is my new friend Colin West, writer and film director. How are you? It's, it's early morning for you and are you a morning person, by the way? I'm such not a morning person, but I got my coffee here and uh, I'm ready to go. This is great. I'm very looking for. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this, Matt. Yeah, th- well, I appreciate you carving out the time and space for this. Um, obviously, want to talk about all things linoleum and whatever else you're up to these days, but um, want to start our interview where we start all of our interviews, which is with our source material from uh, Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, um, and he writes this. He says. Most of us have two lives, the life that we live and the unlived life within us. And between those two stands the resistance. Um, What resistance are you feeling these days as your new movie comes out? 
or whatever else you're working on. And what do you even think of that quote to begin with? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I really like that. Obviously, you know, we chatted a little bit, um, you know, leading up to this, uh, and, and obviously that quote came up and I, I'm, it's funny because like that quote feels so akin to a, a, another quote that I actually sort of uses my own as a, I don't know, something that's kind of in my own mantra, uh, which is a Henry David Thoreau quote, which is, um, my life is the book I would have wrote, but I could not both live and utter it. And I think that that's really interesting, like this idea of, um, you know, between like what is life and what is art and sort of mixing the two and sort of like, how do you live a life that, um, I don't know, sort of can be inclusive of art, but is obviously you have to live it at the same time. And I think that's sort of also this, this idea of the resistance. And I, I find it to be honestly like that word resistance, I find to be a little bit like uh, heavy handed in a lot of ways, because I feel like sometimes it, sometimes it's a resistance, but a lot of times, like, to be honest, it, it feels like more of a, like a, um, like they hold each other up. Like it can be, it can be beneficial, like to like live a life and also have a creative life that are, you know, at times, you know, at odds. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I think that quote is, is great, but it's in a lot of ways to me, I feel like sometimes it's less of resistance, you know? Um, so I, I sometimes embrace it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 In fact, in fact, I'm, I'm almost thankful that you went down this road because, one, we've never gone down this road with any of our interview subjects so far. And and two, when you were saying it, it was like, you know, when someone says something and, and you, you feel its truth, something comes alive in you. And when you said that, I just thought, yeah, why do we vilify the resistance? Right. Because it can feel like more meaningful to make something. And then when you're not, like when you're just living life, like building those experiences from which you could make something, then that can feel like not meaningful enough. Right. Which kind of vilifies like your daily life or your family or your home. It sure does. It, it leads to kind of a competition. And I actually think that it's, at least for me, I think it's less about that because I actually think that, you know, living life helps you create in the same way. And, and, you know, that even kind of going back, back to that throw quote, um, you know, my life is the book I would have writ if I could both live and utter it, I think is a really like, like it, it feels like there's, it, it doesn't need to be a competition, but there's this idea where we as artists kind of always want to be on, you know, and, and sort of working and clicking and everything needs to make it. But at the same time, without these sort of like big experiences and actually kind of, being in the moment with those experiences, what do you make art about? You know, what are these films about? What is, what is this music about? What is this painting about? You know? Um, so it's kind of embracing it, I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wondered for you how that is as a visual storyteller to have the space and then, and then like figure out what to write about from there in that way. You know, like I like my own background in more music journalism. You see this with with bands who are maybe at their most interesting with that first album, right? Because it's their first time to say something, and then and then you know if you're successful, you go relentlessly on tour, just to, like a, a whirlwind of of hotel rooms and and then live shows, 
And then you're right back in the studio with, all right, say 10 more things. Yeah. And then there's that rinse repeat where you're like, oh, yeah, you could tell that there's been less life lived. Right. Because it's less interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they often say the same thing about filmmakers kind of cramming everything into their first feature. Like they're often their first features are about everything, you know, and it's sort of like, and, and you often hear that filmmakers talk about that, like, oh, yeah, in my first film, I was trying to say everything. And I didn't realize that I could just say one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then you you sort of see that like, you sort of I don't know, you, you almost like see a, somebody's first movie and then can kind of see how that movie, the themes in that movie get played out throughout their career again and again and explored more with more depth, you know, um, possibly one at a time. Um, that's ideal, you know, but I also think that like there is this, like you were talking about with musicians, like, like it, it's sort of like you can almost hear in the music, like when they've made it big and moved into a mansion and, you know, like don't, don't have the, the struggle in some way or something like, and it's just, it becomes a little bit disconnected with, um, you know, the audience maybe in that regard. Um, and I think the same thing definitely happens with film. Uh, and, um, I don't know, that is, I guess that is definitely a, uh, it can be a struggle, you know, I think like following something up, you know, like you're talking about like the second album or the second movie or something like that. Um, and how that can kind of, you know, either you kind of live or die on your second movie, you know, or, you know, like after the hit, then it's like, what's next? Yeah, that's definitely a, um, I don't know, that can be a, that can be the resistance there is like, you can kind of fight yourself, I think, and overthink what needs to be next or like how you're trying to define yourself rather than sort of approach it like you did the first one where you were doing it sort of very gutturally or kind of using your intuition. And then, you know, you have all this, these resources maybe, or these more connections and so forth for the next one. But it being about like, you can sort of get in your own head in that way where it's like, Oh, now people are actually going to listen to this thing or see this thing, you know? And then it's like a little bit scary. So. Yeah. It, you, I, I want to chase down something that you brought up earlier because it made me think of linoleum um, you know, which is the film that you know, people are listening, the, the, the film that we've um, kind of gathered this interview around. I, um, you know, you said filmmakers can struggle with throwing everything in on their first film, right? Right. And, and Linoleum is not your first film. And I think you handle it well, but there is certainly a lot thrown into <laughs> linoleum. Right. And, and like, I've even heard you talk about it or, or like read interviews with um, like Jim um, or, or others from the movie saying like, it's hard to distill this movie down into one simple, <laughs> you know, that there's just a lot going on. I mean, even in the movie, it's like, it's not that simple. Right. 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 And so um, I guess I wonder for you, do, what was part of what's going on in the writing of linoleum? fueled somewhat by that totally or um yeah i or, or how did you wrestle with that um yeah in in restraining it at the end you know uh, totally matt it's a good question i i i know what you mean like um yes it, it's not my first movie but it's definitely my first movie with resources like at hand and like a uh you know a bigger casting crew that i you know felt sort of like uh the the ability to kind of like show my artistic hand more fully, I suppose. Um, and that 
So it was a it was a very different process this movie than than the other ones that I've made, which were lower budget and so forth. Um, I, I think like you know, it, I don't know. I guess going into this process, yeah, of course, I was trying to sort of like. I guess, I guess in a lot of ways it was sort of like, well, this might be the only chance you get. So you may as well throw every, you know, throw the whole kitchen sink at it or whatever. Um, and I had been sort of writing that script for so long, you know, um, uh, five or six years I was writing that script. So it was very much of a kind of like, it, it became a kind of, uh, like a well for all of my ideas to go into. And, um, and I, I actually really, I really appreciate the fact that like no one can know when you're like, oh, what's the movie about? Um, there's no way to really say what the movie's about, you know, um, because it's kind of about so many things, as you say. And it's kind of a very, very much of a kind of a tapestry of, of theme and so forth. But to be honest, I think that's like that that's potentially like. Like Guillermo de Toro always says, like, um, your flaws end up becoming your style. Um, like what you're not good at is what def- ends up defining you, actually. Interesting. And, and, I think I, and I think the same thing is true with linoleum. Like a lot of people find it impossible to describe. Like <laughs> Jim Gaffigan will go on, you know, these like talk shows and things like that. And they'll be like, so what's the movie about, Jim? And like every time he has like no idea how to talk about it. And, and I have trouble and I made the thing and wrote the thing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, but I actually find that maybe to be like a flaw that is, um, indicative of, of my own voice. Like, I do think that like, there is something there that, um, feels like it will continue on. Like I'm, I'm in, in my next scripts and so forth that I've been working on, the same thing has started to happen where like it's these layers and layers start um, are emerging and it's like, Oh, Oh, maybe this is just like the way that my projects end up. And I'm excited about that. So. I I love that. You made me want to chase down a couple of roads here, but, but I want to follow this one because I guess I'm just thinking even this morning, I just read a a piece in, in filmmaker magazine where they're, they like did a massive survey of independent film and, and of the industry trying to, f- and they were asking like anonymous survey questions about, did your film break even or, or not? <laughs> and then they, and then they did it by budget. And th- what they were trying to just say is like, Hey, the, the new frontier is not friendly to independent film, small film. And the sooner we can all admit that and stop hold, stop hoping to get some sort of like, you know, golden elevator to the top. And and create new systems for people to see and or distribute and in these kind of films. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too like sort of inside baseball here with you know like or in the weeds with with industry whatever. But I guess I'm just thinking in this digital era where the distillation of of something down to like here you have a, you have you have ten seconds before I maybe you even have five seconds before I move from this Netflix choice to this Netflix choice kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I wonder the, uh, there's an audacity there for you to insist on that. And maybe it's not like intentional. You just you like you said, Hey, it's just naturally me. I'm finding that my scripts are that, but as you're putting out linoleum and there's actually like, you have to jump through some of these industry hoops can you talk about maybe some of the wrestling there that you had to do, some of the convincing you had to do, or 
Um, or was there really not much friction? And, and I'm imagining a lot of that. Yeah, no, it's not that you're imagining. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we've been touring around with the film to all these film festivals and, and, you know, it's, it's just released on digital, uh, you know, last week, which is exciting. Um, but it is funny, like every single screening that we have, somebody inevitably in the audience will ask, especially like if we're in like a filmmaker setting, they'll ask like, how the heck did you get this movie made? Like, it's so strange. Like, and, and they're very happy that it does exist because I think it sort of offers hope, I think, for other filmmakers to be like, oh, you know, people might be interested in making something like this or, you know, like a, like a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which just came out too, which I think a lot of people, you know, really connected with even though it's very strange, like, it's not like on paper, you'd be like, yes, this one's the, this one's the hit, you know, it's like, it's about like an everything bagel, you know, like, obviously, it's about more than that. But, um, but, you know, on the page, that's what it's kind of about. And, um, but I do think, you know, for me, I think that the, I wasn't pitching this project, I wasn't going around sort of like, vocally pitching this project, I think what I had was this script, and I had worked so long on the script and got it to a point where it was really sort of singing. Honestly, everybody that read it um, sort of cried at the end, you know, and would 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 be like, oh, I got, I got really teared up at the end. And and often they'd be like, and I don't even know why, you know. Um, and I think that that like emotion, I guess, is what really I think connected with people, even though it is it, it does have like a it casts a wide net, I think, as far as, you know, themes, and it kind of takes some bigger risks throughout the movie. But, you know, I think people really can feel it like that, that emotional core. And so the script is really what um, got the movie out there. And like, I agree that, you know, these kind of like, this way of consuming movies now, you know, which is sort of both algorithmic, but also very like, you know, change the next channel, next channel, next channel, next movie, next show, whatever. Um, is tough you know you kind of have to grab people in some way but to be honest like if if you start down that road of thinking like i've got to cater i've got to cater to this like short attention spans or blah blah, blah like you're sort of cutting yourself off you know and people do want to it's it, you know if it's good people do want to they'll take the time and, and watch the thing you know i i, I just watched um stalker and you know this this movie's like three and a half hours long and it's very slow paced and it's you know this sort of like soviet era um you know film and very sort of like yeah atmospheric and 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 so forth and and it's it's kind of a slog to get through but like it's you just like appreciate it at the end you know and it's not because the ending's all big but you sort of you kind of have to eat your vegetables too you know like obviously you can kind of you know, eat the, the sugary shows that are, you know, around to just to kind of like keep you going, you know, and whatever. But, um, but you know, like if, if you're not kind of eating your vegetables too, I think you're kind of missing out, um, on the best of the best. So take me into the, uh, I, I want to ask about, you said people who read the script got emotional. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask about that emotional aspect of the film anyway, wondering for you what it was like to put that, like pen to paper, or I guess I would, you know, type font, font on <laughs> on Word doc or whatever it is, you know, you say today. Yeah. How was that process for you? Like, was it emotional for you to put that down in the first place? I'll start there. Yeah, it totally was, Matt. And I think a lot of that, you know, had to, like, initially, you know, the, the movie's really kind of, in, 
it's a love story, you know, at its, at its core, it's a love story. And, um, it, that part of it is inspired by, uh, my grandparents. Um, they met when they were in high school and were together for, you know, almost seven years until they passed away pretty recently in the last few years. And so it, it was really kind of a, it was emotional to me because during the process of writing the script, they both passed away. And, um, it was interesting because that really, that really shifted how I was writing the script for those who haven't seen it, you know, it kind of, it it feels like a big puzzle in a lot of ways, you know, it's as, as you kind of work out what's going on, a lot is kind of like revealed about this relationship and so forth. So the big thing that kind of ended up shifting this script is like, initially it was a very kind of more, more straightforward flashbacks and so forth to this life, uh, this love story. And I remember, so I was, I was actually in the room when my grandfather passed away. He was in the hospital and he had dementia in his later years. And I remember I was there in the room and, and in the kind of commotion, um, the nurse handed me his watch. It was his last possession was his watch that he had on. I kind of thought nothing of it. And I, and I went home that night or whatever. And I looked at the watch and I realized it was three hours ahead. Or excuse me, it was three hours off. And I realized that, you know, either in his mind, at least, either he was living three hours in the future or we're all living three hours in the past. And, uh, and I think that kind of subjective reality was what really ended up triggering, you know, the ways in which the script ended up changing. And also that experience too, like his passing away. And I was actually making the kind of short film proof of concept version of this movie. It's called here and beyond, and you can actually see it. It's, it's online. And so I was making that, I was editing that film at the same time all of this was going on as well. And so there was tons of emotion in it. Um, and it was sort of like a, its own way of me dealing with him passing away. And ha- we had to like sell their house and go through all their old stuff and, you know, kind of re reconjure that, I guess. And so, you know, that, yeah, that was very, um, yeah, it was definitely an emotional journey the whole way through. Is there any part of you when you were writing that that became like to to bring it back around to resistance a little bit? Did you feel some resistance in maybe getting so personal or allowing those sort of personal elements? Like, do you want to hold some of that back? I guess I wonder the relationship. I guess I ask because in music it's pretty straightforward, right? If I'm asking someone about like a a, a, a song, here's these biographical details, and they're having to actually like share it with an audience that they're like staring at at night. Right. Right. Then maybe there's some more mystery there. Yeah. But for a visual filmmaker, yeah. I I wondered for you how you handle personal experiences and emotion at that level. Yeah. I don't think I over, I don't think I think about it all too much. Like I, I think it, it, you know, there are times where I write something into a script that is sort of very personal and there's a vulnerability there, but there's also, so much fiction too that the two end up kind of like weaving themselves together and eventually as the process goes on because filmmaking is so long and you know you write the script and then you edit the script and or you know you you shoot the movie and then you edit the movie like there's so much writing that goes on quote unquote that like those things that start off so personal in a script phase, in the script phase do end up becoming sort of fictionalized in some way, or they become a part of the fabric of the movie instead of your own life. And 
no one's going to know what's exactly you and what's the character and so forth. You know, so in a lot of ways, you can kind of like hide behind the character and kind of like, you know, there's like this catharsis that happens within yourself when you're kind of watching characters be you, but be a part of you. And then this other character is being another part of you and, and so forth. So you can, you know, in a lot of ways, like, like exhale through a movie, through the process of making a movie, I guess. And to me, like, I guess I don't necessarily like try to overthink that or hide too much, you know, then again, like sometimes, I mean, I'm, you know, in this new script that I'm writing, you know, it's always a bit like delicate when you write something in that feels very you and you think everyone's going to know or something like that, but it's just a piece. And that's what like brings truth to a, to a film. Like you're, we were talking about earlier about like, you know, a a first movie versus a second movie or uh, versus a second album that, you know, the artists have moved into the mansions and they don't really have anything to talk about anymore. That's kind of relating to the people. Um, So you know, yeah, it's, it's, there's a resistance, but there's kind of a balance there as well. Um, and I think, you know, to be an artist, you have to be vulnerable, uh, to reveal truth. So, um, you know, I think if you leave that truth, then you're, um, pushing the audience away. I kind of want to go back to your Thoreau quote for a minute. And then, cause you said you're working on this new script and I guess I've just had a number of these conversations and I also feel resistance myself to, you said, oh, can you can you quote that Thoreau quote again, by the way? Yeah, sure. So it's, uh, it's my life is the poem I would have writ, but I could not both live and utter it. Yes, yes. There is a way that people can feel like they're still, or at least give themselves an excuse to still like not do something because they're on the living side of that. But there is actually the discipline needed to write, right? Right, right, yeah. And yet it can feel so overwhelming to sit down to write and do it because there's the, like almost every musician I've talked to you will talk about like that pretender syndrome. Mm. And I wondered how much of that you felt before linoleum or like crafting linoleum. You said you worked on it for five years. Um, and, and how, how much of that you feel on the other side of that. Um, and if there's a variation there. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, it, well, it's interesting too, because like that, that quote being coming from somebody like Henry David Thoreau, who is sort of prolific, a prolific journalist in himself, like he, he would journal every day about just the sort of mundane things that he did or saw that day. And so in such a way, he was really sort of heavily trying to record his life. And, and, you know, I've written, sorry, read some of those journals, you know, and the very sort of like ticky tacky journals before they've been edited into these sort of like beautiful poetic books um, that we all know is like, you know, you can sort of see the filter between in his process between like the daily journals and then what it turns into, you know, like, Walden or something like that, where it's very sort of curated. So it, you know, in a lot of ways, you see this like gathering process of his that ends up turning into the final product. And, and in a lot of ways you can, you can, you know, see that and, and 
it's inspiring in a lot of ways because you're like, oh, I'm doing the same thing where like you have all of this input during your life, you know, like even this interview, you know, like, or, you know, like is, 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 a, is kind of fodder for thought and like consideration and, you know, being, be like kind of existing. And so I think you kind of have to, you have to kind of be open and kind of be a sponge during the day so that you can kind of like distill that down into what you're concerned with and what you're interested in talking about and how you're interested in sort of joining the, the quote conversation that, you know, your medium is having or the culture is having. I think like I, I'm, I'm in film because I'm so bad at communicating other ways. Like I'm not, I don't find myself good at communicating through words or through speak. Like even talking to you, I feel like I'm lacking words to use to, to describe things. I feel like I'm always kind of coming up short in the way that I'm talking about these things. And, and that part is frustrating, but I do find that when I make films that like, that feels like the way in which I can communicate the best. And like I've tried other mediums and, and I was in more fine arts and sculpture and painting and, and so forth. And was pretty deep in that world for a little while, you know, as I was like getting out of college and, and, you know, sort of starting a career. And I was working for this amazing artist, Ann Hamilton and sort of finding my own voice and realizing that that voice was more, you know, was the way that I was comfortable communicating was through film and this, this idea of like mixing visuals with sound. And I think everybody's different. Everybody has their own, you know, way of speaking and that's just mine. And I think that like, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of going back to what we were talking about, like it's this filter of like, okay, living life and then filtering that stuff into my own work. And obviously I can't include everything. I mean, you know, the best directors are making maybe a film every two years, usually three or four years. So, you know, you get, you get two hours to speak every two or three years. Um, which is not a lot of time, you know, um, but in a lot of ways, like you get to really, you know, communicate what you feel is the most important. So yeah, long answer to, to, to that question, but no, 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 I, no, that's great. One more for you. I, I wanted to hear, you said you were going around to film festivals and like showing the film. And I guess I just, uh, it made me curious about your ability to stand maybe in the back of the room <laughs> and watch uh, watch a, a theater full of people go through the experience that you went through to put it on paper. Yeah. And that then, then you went through to also, you know, bring it to fruition, the emotions there, the, the fulfillment there. Yeah. It's incredible, Matt. I mean, well, I mean, especially, you know, I guess every artistic form is like this, but you know, uh, as, as a filmmaker, especially in today's day and age where, you know, people are streaming on their laptops or their phones or, you know, at home on their TVs, all that stuff. You don't know what, how people are receiving this stuff other than, I mean, obviously there's like the internet and some reviews and things, but, you know, the great thing about film festivals is you get to talk to your audience and see them and see the reactions. And I love being in the theater. In fact, I'll usually kind of pop around and go to like, you know, I hope I'm not distracting, but I'll just kind of go stand and watch or whatever, kind of in the dark in the back. 
you know, because I've seen the movie 50,000 times and some things, you know, when I really sit down and watch it, like some things will still sort of surprise me and I'll see connections or people will bring up connections within the movie that, oh, this part and how that's like the same color as this other thing. And some different people kind of find different things within it. And that's very exciting to me and feels very fulfilling in a lot of ways, um, but also fulfilling in that it feels like it's communicating and it's become its own form of communication where people are finding things within it within themselves that I haven't seen before, or, you know, I didn't feel, or I didn't maybe intentionally put in, but because of the fabric of it and because of how many hands go into this and how many incredible collaborators I had on the film, you know, it speaks in different ways. So yeah, it's just a, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a great process. You know, I think we, we screened up maybe 30 or 35 festivals and um, I got to go to a lot of them, which was fun and, and sort of talk to the audience afterwards. And it's just something that you don't get to experience all that often as a filmmaker. So, uh, so it was, it was a joy. It's been a joy. You've been listening to the resistance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app. And for more information or further episodes, you can find us at listen to the audio production by Isaac Vining theme music by Jake Kirkpatrick. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening.